0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
2: Hello, and welcome to A Thing or Two,
1: a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. You might know us as the co-founders of Of A Kind, the co-authors of Work Wife, or just two women who feel awfully strongly about our relationship, so much so that we own the domain Related, head there to sign up for our newsletter and find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes. And they look great;
2: they look so pretty. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for doing that, Claire. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you to Squarespace who didn't sponsor this
1: episode. <laughs> oh, and leave us a voicemail 833-632-5463. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are we doing here today? What are we up to? Oh my gosh! Well,
2: we're going to discuss vacuums. Yeah, we're and then.
1: <laughs> We're going to yeah, discuss vacuums and then social media strategy. Yeah. Kind of one see? man's one man's approach to social media. Yes. We're bringing on Phil Chang who's one of our favorite Instagram follows. Um, it's it's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. It's probably not for everybody, but it's no, for us. But it's yeah, and I'm just I'm really intrigued by the way he thinks about social media and the the variety of things he posted. We get politics, we get art, we get rants. We get like send Pop ups, culture. Yeah, yeah. All of it. And all of it. He takes
2: on a certain amount of
1: responsibility. Yeah. A, a
2: great amount of responsibility for disseminating
1: uh, hot takes on news. Yeah. Basically. And we wanted to talk with him about his philosophy yep. and like sort of how he came to this place and, how, and just like where he's getting his news because he's getting a lot of it. Oh, yeah. He's
2: getting a ton of it. A ton of
1: it. But first vacuums. But
2: first vacuums. I cannot believe it's taken us this long to discuss vacuums. Ma'am,
1: me either.
2: We— Well, I think what's interesting. I think we wouldn't have called ourselves vacuum enthusiasts until recently when
1: we've really started getting into it. I mean, you've always felt very enthusiastic about your Nito, yeah. But he, you know, I've always. I guess I've always uh, circled around vacuums, but I haven't actually owned a vacuum. um, (laughs) Oh, like a proper vacuum, not a proper vacuum. So I've owned neato who is a robot vacuum Mm -hmm. he is wonderful yeah um he is obviously gendered as you can tell (laughs) um he i've had him for six or seven years um it's a great pet thing and i always thought it was like a little bit goony to have you know to have these like robot vacuums but i'll tell you what it's great oh it's great i just know
2: it's one of those i feel similarly where i was just like i don't really need it or it's not like it's not a gadget i need and then i got it and i was like wrong Everybody needs one of these. What?
1: Everybody needs what, this. Why wouldn't I want my h- house vacuumed without me having to do it a couple times a week? Exactly. I, don't, I just don't understand what I was like holding out, um, why I was holding out. It sits under my couch. Like yeah. it's not in my way. Sometimes it gets stuck on a rug and you have to put it back where it belongs. Mm-hmm. And who cares? Because yeah. it's still vacuumed half my house and I didn't have to do it. Like, no, it's fantastic. And New York apartments get so dusty. Um, and- I have to clean the filter on this thing at least once a week. It's completely full. Wow. And that's gross. Wow. Yeah. Um, I have
2: the—what did I get? I got the iRobot Roomba 960, and it's wonderful. I don't I don't feel as passionately about yeah. it as you do. Cam feels pretty passionately about it. He is confused. He When he was smaller, he would try to ride it, and now that he's older, he thinks it's, like, a pet or a friend, and he gets really upset when it runs away from him. It's like, why won't it play with
1: this, me? This, I would say, is where, developmentally, Cam and Ash are in the same place. <laughs> um, Because—so um, we have the Neato— XV-21 Pet and Allergy Automatic Vacuum Cleaner. Ash thinks it is her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's definitely like the alpha in the relationship okay. as far as she's, you mm-hmm. know, as far as she can tell. She tattles on it constantly. What is she tattle she about? She project manages, you'll come home and the vacuum won't have made it to its base. Yeah. And she's like, excuse me. And <laughs> she's she like hopping hops over to it to be like, this and is then, still here. Yeah, to be like, look at look who didn't do his job today. <laughs> um, Like a whole thing. And it's like, yeah. It's cleaning up after you, right? Like you're the one who made the mess. You mm-hmm. have hay everywhere. You're mm. fur. You're shedding. It's like you're the real like instigator here. But she tattles on it all the time, and like then gets in its way, and it'll bump into her, and she'll act like, "Oh, you. What are you doing here?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's odd. I also, I are we allowed
2: to bring up that it's a. Um, it's a suspect. In a crime. In a crime.
1: Yeah. It is a suspect and, in a crime. But Ash has not tattled on, no, it about this And specific that is why crime. I think that uh, it has an alibi. Um, <laughs> so, Ash, I don't think we've talked about this. So, Ash lost her tail um, a year and a half ago. God, this is a long and like <laughs> complicated thing. Uh, I mean, it is tale. and it isn't because it's ash's tail went missing and we don't know where it went yeah okay so basically <laughs> one day there like ash uh, was on her was in her pen and there was a spot of blood on her pen And we were like what happened where like what's going on and lo and behold her tail wasn't there anymore like and she turned around and basically she just had this like very funny looking rabbit butt because it was a rabbit butt without a rabbit tail um very odd so we looked everywhere in our apartment we like in our apartment was not big, it, you know, like we're talking 400 square feet of like digging through things. And she also really only goes to 120 of those square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we poke around, like we're looking everywhere. We empty the bin of the needle. We empty the bin of the um, dust buster, like no tail to be found. Um wow. Meanwhile, she's completely unbothered by any of this. Like, she has no way—you know, she's, like, not a care in the world that she doesn't yeah. have her tail anymore. She's like, that thing wasn't doing anything for me anyway. Who cares? Mm-hmm. We call our vet. Like, can't get to the bottom of it. Um, all we know, basically, is that she lost her tail and— The Nito was the only other person in the apartment. The Nito's not a person. Um, mm, the Nito's <laughs> the only other living thing in the apartment. It's the it's the closest thing to a creature. I mean, I my suspicion is I got caught in a baseboard because um, okay. she sticks her she, she like sits uh, in corners okay. and sticks her butt like okay. deep in a corner. Fine, that's so we'll let the needle off the hook. Yeah, then, in I this don't case. think the needle actually is okay. to blame because we went through that needle's parts. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, fine, fine.
2: Um, I'm really jealous of the ambition you demonstrated in programming your needle to work once a day. Mind does. What the, do you mean? I. I could do that with my Roomba, and I'd love to do that with my Roomba, but it would require like setting up the
1: app and do it. I don't I just, have an app. It's just on the thing. It's just like on the controller thing. It's like Menu. Like select the time. That may be the case with mine as well. All I've ever done is tell it to start and stop. It's so nice to just program. I, like, I know, I know. This is a 12-minute process at most. Listen, maybe this is part of my unemployment to-do list. I think so because yeah. it's just so, at like at 5 p.m., yeah. it just goes and does its thing. It's great. you come home to beautiful force. Yeah. And like, I don't want it to really be running when I'm there if I can help it. Yeah because it's like, you know, yeah, of course. it sounds of like course a vacuum, it, yeah, it's like loud. bumps into things No, it's and, wonderful. Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's a wonderful thing. I yeah. maybe maybe I will do that. Um the other device that I have had for years that I love is the Black and Decker pivot vac. Um, is that the Dustbuster? Yeah, that's okay. the Dustbuster. So I um I had one it, you know, broke after like 10 years legit. Um, and I went to replace it. And then I went to, you know, Sweet Home and Consumer Reports and those in mm-hmm. Wirecutter and did the research. And they recommended something else entirely. I bought that thing. I hated it. Whatever <laughs> they recommended sucked. Um, wow. but Or didn't suck, you know, because right. it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> um, just some vacuum puns. And so I I basically, I had to like return that thing and buy another pivot back, which wow. the reviews online are very yeah. mixed, but I love it. I have it too. I, my thing about a Dustbuster. I know
2: Dustbuster is yeah, 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 a brand name, but let's got a hand vac. Yeah. Is that it's never quite strong enough. Like, this it's strong, is, You have this one? I, I did. I got rid of it. Okay. But, but okay. I... um, It's it's strong enough. It's fine. It can't handle, like, big messes. What, what no. drives me crazy is, like, my dad will come over and do some small installation project and get a bunch of sawdust on yeah. the ground, and he'll use the pivot vac yeah. to suck it up. And then there's all this sawdust in there and it can't really handle things like that. And it's just kind of a mess. And why I finally got rid of my hand vac was because I acquired a Dyson cordless stick vacuum, which is both a hand vac and a vacuum in one. And it is my first time feeling really
1: passionately about a vacuum. So my household now has both of these products, and I think I'm going to have both of these products in my life um, for the foreseeable future. Part of the the inspiration
2: to purchase this was that my parents have one. And when we took Cam home for Thanksgiving and he was making a mess all over, for we were just using it every time to clean up after him. And I was like, this is actually my number one baby product of all time. Forget the... Snoo the snoo that every, yeah, the forget that. the baby Bjorn. This is the most important product to have when you have a baby because and then the what's great about it is you can sort of detach the long nozzle and it becomes, A dust a hand vac, yeah, yeah, which I don't actually use that much because one of my biggest complaints about a hand vac is I hate having to crouch over on the floor. Yeah, so I I love it. Yeah, I I gave our
1: I gave our hand vac away. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I just yeah, I feel strong about this pivot vac. I don't think he's going anywhere. All right, that's fine. You can you can have both. (laughs) You can have three vacuums. Thank Um,
2: you. (laughs) The other thing I want to say about the cordless vacuum is great for stairs uh, because. Like lugging a huge vacuum up a stair upstairs is so annoying. So this thing's
1: incredible for stairs. Tidy Tova also swears by it for the car. Yes. That the, makes a lot of sense to me. Because it's cordless. Um so I just bought a Dyson stick vac um and I'm very excited about it. I bought the V8 one. Um the animal specific yeah, one. Yeah, the animal-specific one, because why not? Yeah. I do have one concern. What? When I was doing research on this. Consumer Reports downgraded this D- Dyson stick vac, and they wrote an entire post in May of last year, basically, that was like, red alert, like, we, <laughs> we cannot recommend this enough anymore because um, it, it it doesn't have the endurance or it, like, it does, it's not like a durable product. And it doesn't like people have problems within the first five years. So we cannot. <laughs> five years. We, uh, you, you, five years. <laughs> you don't expect it to last that long. I just, in
2: five years, expect to have, like, a microchip that uh, where I will— Behind your eye. Behind my eye, where I will think that I want my home vacuumed, and it will be vacuumed.
1: Has technology advanced (laughs) at that pace in your life? That's just what I like to think. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Let
2: me think it. Okay. This is, like, every problem that I imagine having for Cam, like, taking the SATs and stuff. I'm like, they'll have figured it out by then.
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's a bad way of approaching life, because why worry about this thing right now? Right. Um, but also, Thomas, it, it like gets so pissed about the lack of durability that these mm-hmm. products have and that they can't be repaired and that, that yeah. you know, the planned obsolescence and all of that. That's um, fair.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I bought mine on Black Friday, so I got a discount. So if it expires in five years, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll you'll get, get, it, another, I'll get another on Black
1: Friday. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. Something I was, you and I were talking about recently was breakups and how in, just incredibly traumatic they are. And they're the type of thing where it just feels so isolating and alone and like no
1: one's really... Well, people like, don't take them seriously sometimes if you're not married right. or like if you haven't, you know, if you haven't been together for a decade or something, people are like, just get over it. Or, exactly. Yeah. I, exactly. And
2: I, I had a friend once who went through a really terrible breakup and just told people she was getting a divorce because she felt like no one would take it seriously otherwise. <laughs> yeah. um, and there, it's it's a really isolating thing because the only other person going through what you're going through is the person you're not talking to yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I am really excited about BetterHelp as a solution for people with all sorts of issues. But I think a breakup is a sort of perfect example of why you might use something like this. So BetterHelp uses licensed therapists to help you feel better and achieve your goal. As you know, when you don't feel great, finding a therapist can feel like just another daunting thing on your to-do list, but now there's an easier way. BetterHelp is online counseling so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. So you can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours and schedule weekly secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Anything you share is confidential, and if for any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a different one.
1: Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. A Thing or Two listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code A Thing or Two. So why not get started today? Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Go to BetterHelp.com slash A Thing or Two. That's BetterHelp.com slash A Thing or Two.
2: Okay, so this was not the first or even second or third vacuum I've owned because my mother is a vacuum enthusiast. So as soon as my brother and I both left the house, she was so psyched to be like, here, take my vacuum so I can get the newer version. So she is incredibly brand loyal to Mila vacuums, which I, as I have learned, have all... Have a very loyal following in general for their vacuums.
1: If I recall, she visits Mila stores in other countries on vacation. Oh
2: my God. She and I went to Paris for like a mom and daughter baby moon and we spent at least an hour in the <laughs> Mila store. And I was like, why? We're in Paris. Why are we in the vacuum store? Um, and the reason was, was to be because fair, it was a chic vacuum. <laughs> it was. They had just come out with their own robo- robot vacuum. She wanted to know about it. She a reader, she bought it. Um, <laughs> and Whitney Paris Lamb, who's the only other vacuum obsessive I know, also has a Mila. And when, but Mila only makes corded vacuums, correct? As far as I know. Yeah. Yes. Except for this, like, yeah. Well, don't worry. My mom has competitor. the robot vacuum, the Dyson, and the Mila corded yeah. vacuum. And, and it has, like, a tank, right? Y- so y- you lug it does around. have a tank that you yeah. lug around. The one that she gave to me at some point has the tank on the stick. Okay. has, like, a smaller tank, and it's on the stick. Okay. But I'm never going to use that now that I have the Dyson. Yeah. Um, Cam, however— Super into the Mila. That's his favorite vacuum. When we visited my parents over the holidays, his favorite thing every day was following my mom around and sort of like attaching himself to the tank a bit and pushing all of the buttons. It mm-hmm, also has mm-hmm. a retractable cord, and you can push one button and the cord sucks back in. So that is like like really the fun for him. Thing, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was thrilled to see that he loved it so much because I have long been aware of a baby Mila. They make like a toy. Yeah, they make these child-sized versions of this silly, expensive vacuum. And um, I'm filled brand <laughs> loyalty yeah, early. Be, that's
1: exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So Cam's definitely going to get one at some point. Oh, congrats to him. <laughs> congrats, congrats to him. Congrats to him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Should we bring our guest on? Let's do it.
2: Welcome to our guest, Phil Chang. We described him. We wrote out a little intro for him. <laughs> he felt fine about it. We said, Phil Chang is a freelance creative director and strategist with an all caps, WILD Instagram. Wow! <laughs>
0: yeah, millennials.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who are they? So, yeah, what does that mean? Claire Phil? and Erica <laughs> investing <laughs> tonight on a thing or yeah. two. Um,
2: so we met you really early on in the sort of early days of of a kind because people were just like, you just need oh, to you meet need this to know guy.
0: Phil. Yeah. yeah, you
1: don't know Phil yet. Oh, you should meet Phil.
0: How far back do we go? I feel oh, like 10 like, years. Yeah, like, like ten years. years yeah. Right? yeah, for sure. A decade for sure. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was definitely
2: two thousand ten. So. I still, I would say I didn't know back then entirely what you did, and I still don't know entirely what you do. Yeah. But I do know that your Instagram
1: is a must watch. Oh, man. That's how we think about your Instagram. It's yeah. like must see IG. Ooh. Must yeah. see IG. I love that, Erica. <laughs> 7 <laughs> p.m. Central, <laughs> yeah, must see <laughs> IG.
2: Um, so it, followed by Boy Meets World. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in the last couple of years, I'm going to estimate, although I could be totally off, you have... Taken on the responsibility of sharing world news and hot takes on world news and political opinions—is yeah. that accurate?
0: Yeah, and but then I,
2: also
1: like design and pop culture and for sure. Yeah, it's a real it's a real mix. I mean, the it's programming on a, well, schedule. I
0: thought about it on the way up, and it's a, it's basically a transposition of like how I was using Tumblr back in the day. Okay, but this is that helpful. makes sense. At a much, I, at a much more pronounced cadence, I want to say, yeah, frenetic. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> I would call as it.
0: As the times kind of dictate, right? Yeah. And uh, responsibility, I think, was also another word that I was thinking about because it's like, you know, I can keep telling everyone who DMs me like, oh, thanks for doing that. I got a kid. And this like really helps me stay on top of stuff mm. or like, hey, thanks. I didn't even like
1: catch Know this about thing. this thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can tell each of those people case by case like, yo, this isn't really like I'm not doing this out of like a sense of like duty or obligation. Like this really is like for me. But you know, how many times do people need to say that before it's like, "Oh fuck, maybe I should really start."
2: Right. So, can you talk a little bit more about when you first did it? It was, or now even, is it just an outlet for you to sort of deal with, let's say, your frustration, extreme frustration, yeah, or in some cases, celebrating, wanting to celebrate things.
0: Yeah. Um. A lot of it was extreme frustration. I think, like as everyone kind of experienced in the wake of 2016. uh, the lines the fractures the fissures all of that became very very apparent like throughout every stratum of society mm-hmm. globally not just american society no yeah and uh i'm sure you guys have felt this too in varying degrees but like that kind of it it was for, and i think for the first time in our lives and certainly like our adult lives you kind of were like oh shit like maybe i can't talk to this person anymore mm-hmm. Because of where he or she or they stand on certain issues. Yep. that's That became very real after 2016. And I think for me, a lot of, you know, uh, August 2016 is when Instagram stories went live, I remember. And so uh, it coincided with me getting off Facebook because I was just like, this doesn't work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it doesn't, doesn't function work. for you as a tool or an outlet or, yeah, a resource.
0: Like, you know, the algorithmic uh, decision-making that kind of prioritizes, you know— uh, well, if you're prioritizing for clicks, you're always going to prioritize for engagement, and engagement happens when you got controversy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so
1: and a crazy comment section.
0: It just you know if if that's how people have coded the machine to kind of rank and prioritize content, what the fuck? And so for me, Instagram Stories was nice because it kind of there's no algorithm there, right? Like it's like if you're following people, you just sequentially go through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, get who gets served to you is algorithmic.
0: Yeah, definitely. But,
1: but yes, but I agree. If you start watching people enough, then yes, you yeah. see them more. That's all. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And so for me, it was like a good way to keep a record of, hey, all the shit that I'm being called crazy for, mm-hmm. for calling out in conversation or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's let's make a repository for it. Yep. You were I, saving your receipts. Saving receipts. I feel like in two, two years, three years, even less. Yeah. Six months. Like now it happens in like a week. Right, right. It's gotta so come. Can you give back. an
1: example of something where you're like, okay, I called that thing out, and then six months later, whatever it surfaced again. And I was right.
0: Well, the big thing I think is like the idea of like, you know, minorities have always been talking about systemic racism in the yeah. United States and uh, how fundamental that is to what this country is. And, you know, I remember the first thing that kind of got a lot of white people upset in my life was when I posted about this kid, Tommy Lee, who'd been killed by Seattle PD, unarmed kid, Vietnamese kid. I posted about that on Facebook. It was one of the last things I posted on Facebook. And for me, it was really heartbreaking because it spoke to not only, you know, horrible police injustice and, and the wrongs of that system in the United States, but uh, how lacking the Asian American communities is, is mm-hmm. in terms of solidarity mm-hmm. when things like that mm-hmm. happen. And so what I posted, what I wrote when I posted that, uh, when, when I posted articles about Tommy Lee's uh, murder was, uh, man, like, race in the United States has been structured as a hierarchy. Yeah. Different minority groups have been positioned on different rungs yeah. of the latter by white hegemony. And if that is true, as Asian Americans, we have to understand that we have privileges and protections that a lot of other minority groups don't have. Mm-hmm. Just because of our proximity to whiteness and, and, you know, the model minority myth, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> My thing was... If only for self-preservation, if only for this most cynical, cynical thing where it's like, I only really care about my own skin, you should care about this kind of thing. Man, that set a lot of white people off, especially white dudes, straight white dudes, right? Hmm. Like, um,
1: What do people say to you?
0: Man, you're racist Hmm. for thinking things like that, like, uh, you know, uh, we're worried about Accusing
2: you of being racist towards... Other I guess minorities people, or white people? Okay, White
0: people yeah. and, uh, you know, you're, we're worried about your mental state. Oof. Okay. All of that stuff. Like, basically, all the—you cl- know, it's kind of—it's passe to kind of look back on it now. Because And, again, this is what the receipts-keeping exercise yeah, 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 is. Yeah, 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 right. Because we look back on 2016 now and we're like, that's classic gaslighting. Yes. We yes. have the vernacular for that. Mm-hmm.
1: We've and, only recently learned the language to speak <laughs> to what was happening. But yeah. so
0: many case studies to validate— you know,
1: the feeling and the experience, the
0: feeling and the experience, but also what that vernacular kind of entails. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we know collectively as we get more literate about these things, kicking and screaming, uh, as you know, the Trump administration's progressed, who can argue the systemic racism that Trump is personally responsible for, uh, you know, his administration is responsible for, but also what the Trump scam has kind of revealed about American society, like the loopholes that he's able to exploit. That's what scammers do, right?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, You exploit the systemic loopholes in a system for your own gain. And I think, you know, we look back on it now and it's like, of course, Mm -hmm. who can deny the problems? Who can deny systemic racism in the police and policing in the United States? Right, right, right. Things like that.
2: And just for clarification's sake, you're using a medium that disappears. So when you say to keep receipts, as far you're not saving these in your highlights, are you?
0: No, but but it's more Instagram about going on the record. All of your on stories, your ad- your
2: right? Archive. So you have it, right? So, so it's I more that you yeah, have yeah, the record of sometimes it. I'll
0: pull things back yes, up.
2: Yes, you, you often do. Yeah,
0: and be like, "Hey, are we fucking nuts? Like right. this was a this was the biggest story last week."
2: Thank you so much to Noemi for sponsoring today's episode. Um, we are so excited about what this company is doing because, as you may know, we sold jewelry for a really long time. And 10 um, years. Yeah, 10 years. Fine jewelry costs a lot of money. Um, these materials are really expensive. And we had the privilege of knowing a lot of designers, so we could often get wholesale prices, which was like felt like an insidery perk for ourselves. Yeah, for yeah. ourselves. Sorry, <laughs> if we were buying jewelry. Now, though, with Noemi, you don't have to know somebody to get prices like this. So, Noemi is a fine jewelry company that cuts out the middle man. They go straight to you. You get these insider reprices, so you don't have to like feel like you need to ask somebody for a favor to get something fancy for less. Noemi believes that luxury jewelry doesn't have to be overpriced. They design and manufacture everything in-house and sell directly to consumers with a lifetime warranty and free shipping both ways and no traditional retail markups. Noemi is the only fine jewelry company offering such incredible quality at this price. They feature solid 18 karat gold for the perfect balance of strength and purity. They also have a lot of rose gold stuff. They have white gold. They have sapphires and diamond. They had like, they have some of the, so I ordered these Huggies that are yellow gold and white diamond, but... They had, they had little
1: multicolored rainbow yes, ones that were very cute. the rainbow ones
2: were so good, and they were like a black color. Maybe, yeah, I don't know yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what the material was, but it's all really fancy stuff. It's all really beautiful. You should go on and check it out. Um, one of the things that I really like is that they offer so many personalization options with some of their pieces. But even if you get something that's engraved or personalized, you can return any of it for a full refund. It's an entirely risk-free experience and it's all like covered under a warranty. So if it breaks, these things happen. It's, you're set. You're set. If you're looking for quality fine jewelry made to last a lifetime from a luxury brand you can trust, it's Noemi. They have thousands of five-star reviews online. We suggest you read some and see why people are raving about this company. Go to hellonoemi.com slash a thing or two to see their collections and get fifty dollars off your first purchase with promo code a thing or two. H E L L O N O E M I E.com slash a thing or two. And don't forget to use promo code a thing or two for fifty dollars off your first purchase. Who are you imagining is your audience? Who are Uh, you doing it for?
0: So I really do maintain the thing where it's like, yeah, this was for me initially. okay. Uh, And it was, um, but, you know, as I've kept up with it, it's kind of, it's for friends, it's for family, it's for, basically for me, it's not so much like, I don't like to think about it as an audience so much as it is like, hey, the DMs are open. Mm -hmm. let's have conversations about this. Okay. And I think we can have much more productive conversations when everyone's accountable because it's a one-on-one.
1: Yep. It's not an unnamed commenter. It's not an
0: unnamed commenter.
1: And you're not doing it in a public way.
0: Yep. What you say in my DMs is like on record, but it's private. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm not an authority. I didn't go to school for Mm -hmm. any of that. I don't have professional training in this. Like just literally it's me pulling stuff, that feels like it's very big
2: mm-hmm.
0: and asking, how do we even contextualize this stuff?
2: Well, but you're also—you're not an authority, but you're very confident in your reactions to yeah. your analyses of things, which is something I like. And you do insert enough humor to— Or like
1: ver- personality and personality. voice. Personality yeah. and voice
2: that I can—that you will sort of every once in a while say, like, yes, I'm taking myself seriously. You not—you you need not to. Yeah. <laughs> or, you, um, or you don't need to. Yeah. Um, and, that makes it more palatable than I think a lot of the people who who take themselves very seriously. And it is an immense amount of information that you put out. Where are you getting your information, and what does your media diet look like?
0: Sure. So uh, you know, it's a few different channels. Uh, I've always used like a classic RSS reader. Um, I love an which RSS one do you reader? Feedly. Yeah, same. That's what we use. Yes. same. Yeah, Feedly's great, and I've always used that to just consolidate news.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so. Well, just everything, but, like, I have a news tab. And, you know, those are all the the sites that I care about. And it's just like, okay, cool. In this um, in this era of, like, everything needs to be optimized against social, so, yeah. like, bite-sized pieces, I do appreciate the fact that it's like, okay, cool, I can look at this one tab where all the major platforms that I care about have sort of aggregated the stories that they think deserve a little more than just, like, 240 characters uh-huh. on a yep. tweet or whatever, uh-huh. 280 characters, whatever it is now. Um, so I've got that. Then I use Twitter in a very, I think, atypical way.
1: So what are you following in Feedly? Or like what are your favorite Feedly follows? Anything in particular. ProPublica, yeah.
0: Crew, Fair, yeah. Southern Poverty Law Center, um, the Neiman uh Media Lab, Lab at yeah. Harvard, the Intercept. Yeah. Uh I follow a lot of like I think it's important now especially to follow a lot of sites that keep the media accountable. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so I find that a lot of the a lot of the sites that I'm subscribing to are of that nature mm-hmm. and intent. Um,
1: What's your well, more like independent journalism? Independent of.
0: journalism, which is you know obviously an increasing rarity and yeah. and and a dying breed uh, in this age of Bezos-owned Washington Posts and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think it's really important to you know uh, the Guardian. Obviously, I was like, going
2: to say that seems to be your go-to sort of mainstream
0: yeah, source. The Guardian yeah. is like as probably mainstream as I get. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's I think it's it's essential to support. Uh, independent journalism, especially now, and if you want to put, if if you feel overwhelmed or confused about where to put your money, I would say that. Yeah, uh, that's a really good one. Um, and then, so I use Twitter in a very atypical way. Uh, basically, I have like a locked, just anonymous Twitter account where I don't use it to tweet mm-hmm. or be active on Twitter. It's literally just another RSS feed, but it's for immediate stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so things that like I want to know about in real yeah. time.
2: And are you looking at the actual? Twitter app or using TweetDuck or something like that? Just a Twitter app. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I'll use like likes and RTs as like ways to archive stuff. Okay. Uh, And just like if I need to refer back to it later, that's where I'll have it. Um, And then lastly, uh, podcasts for like super in depth, like spirals into, you know, like ongoing things.
2: Any particular ones?
0: Yeah. Mehdi Hassan's one Mm -hmm. um, via The Intercept. America (laughs) Dissected is really great uh, with Abdul El Sayed. Uh, Mm. He is a doctor. He ran for Congress, I think, in Michigan. and uh, But his whole thing is about looking at like just the horrors of the medical industry mm. in the United States. Oh, yeah, Why Is This Happening with Chris Hayes is great. Mm. Guardian Long Reads, uh, Deconstructed with Medi Hassan again. Stay tuned with Preet.
2: Mm. I mm-hmm. think that's
0: a great one. And then there's other ones too, but those are like the news-focused ones yeah. that I, I, I generally look at.
2: One of the things that is notable about your Instagram feed and the news you share on it is that it's so far reaching and, and you seem to hit everything from like startup news to international news to media critiques. And is there anything you choose to ignore and just say, that's not my beat?
0: I don't, well, I don't ignore anything because I'm trying to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the hardest thing about learning, but the most essential thing about it is keeping an open mind and trying to, like, get out of your comfort zone and look at things that, like, you have very little contextual awareness of. Yeah. Um,
2: But is there ever a sense of overwhelm of, like, well, I posted about this tragedy in Australia. Now, if I don't post about the tragedy happening in, say, the Middle East— does it look like I'm being um, ignorant of, of of what's happening or discriminating against a certain population that's suffering as well?
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's like, you know, people are always like, why don't you get paid for this, dude? Like, why don't you monetize it? And I'm like, part of the reason why I don't is because, A, again, I'm learning. This yeah. is for me as much as it is for anyone else. But also, like, I don't want that. Yeah, you don't want you don't have to be accountable. accountable in that Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, not yeah. Like a, I'm not, like, a, trying to be, like, a content distribution mechanism. Right. Like, literally, this is, like— yo, I feel like this sucks or I feel like this is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: I do feel like we're leaving out one really important piece of your Instagram, which is that you do (laughs) surface a lot of really positive, wonderful content about, I think, design and art and culture in particular. And I discover a lot of really wonderful creatives via your Instagram.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, you know, I think it's important. And it wasn't like, you know, let me balance this out. Right. Like the horrors of the news, like the abject terror that is the news with, you know, things that I like. It's just.
2: It's just who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's your home base. Really. It's like,
0: yeah, I was thinking about how horrible it is that like, you know, Facebook has undermined the civic discourse and won't do anything about it. And in the next minute, I was looking at Bottega Veneta's new collection mm-hmm. and that looked awesome. And I really like the fact that under the caring group umbrella, there can be a brand that, like, does what it wants and isn't, like, celebrity obsessed and all that stuff. So I want to support that.
1: Yeah. Do you think at all at this point now that you know that you have these people who are relying on you for this information, do you think about, like, the idea of, like, content strategy at all? Not at
0: all. Like, I've always been very clear to everyone. It's like, dude, this is my shit. Like, this is my POV. It's extremely flawed. It's evolving. I think it's important that everyone gets, like, a chance to learn over time and to fix mistakes and things like that. But the important thing is that, like, I hope – if there's anything I hope people get out of that, uh, out of my stories, is, like – I hope it, like, compels you to go read more about something on your own if you care about it. Yeah. That's it. Yep, yep, yep. Um,
1: How do you encourage people – or how would you encourage people who want to get more comfortable, like, sort of getting out of their comfort zone on social but are feeling like, oh, like, I'm not ready for my DMs to be bombed with this stuff?
0: Yeah, it's scary to put your viewpoints out. And I'm someone who's very, like – I like – a good sparring match. Yeah. So I've never shied away from that, whether it's, like, you know, pre-Instagram stories, pre-Facebook, any of it. Like, I've just been like that since however long. But, you know, if you're shook about that, it's, like, you know, there's other ways to express your support for things than posting about it. Like, certainly, posting about it is not what I'm limited to. Like, if you look at, like, what I, you know, try to put money towards every month or whatever, like, it reads as a very classic, like, you know, progressive leaning, left leaning, care about the independent media leaning. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's you could build a profile on me fairly easily. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, one thing that I tell a lot of people, especially because they're responding to things that I post about politics and they're like, oh, my God, it's so hard to wrap my head around this stuff. Like, I don't know where to begin. Uh, What do I do? This is so overwhelming. It's just happening all at once. And I'm like, focus on what's happening on your block. Like mm-hmm. what's happening in your neighborhood? Who's do you know who's respo- who's your comp tra- Like who's responsible for you know just the most local, you know your apartment level politics.
1: Like make it really small.
0: Make it super small and support you know the candidate uh, in that capacity at that level of politics, who reflects your viewpoints. It's a really easy way to get very directly involved. Yep. And guess what? The cumulative effect of that kind of support across the country, across the globe, really like. It just helps build the wave of, uh, you know, uh, a wave of representatives who reflects, you know, the values that you, you'd you hope that, like, our body politics shares. Um, so, you know, I was supporting the AOC campaign uh, in different ways back when, like, people would run away from her in Queens. Mm-hmm. Like, if she approached them with, like, a leaflet.
2: Yeah. Do you ever feel like you get it wrong and how do you handle that? Always. And what's, what's your sort of method for— Uh, saying so and dealing with it quickly
0: deleting sometimes and panicking (laughs) like no like you know I I, there's there are a lot of people in my dms who I only know through that Mm -hmm. Uh, and they live here they live abroad like and they're incredibly smart people they're like in our lines of work like completely removed from it but there's like maybe like 20 30 people who I strictly know through like their screen names Hmm. uh, who are very good at just like being like hey you know I love what you're posting thank you for doing it but this is wrong and this is why yeah and we'll have a good conversation about it. I come out, you know, knowing a lot more than I did prior to. Yeah. Uh, and it's always a good reminder to me to like check my impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone who's really good about that, or someone's, their brothers, is uh, Dave One and A Track. Dave mm-hmm. One from Chromio and, and DJ A Track. Uh, so smart and so politically and socially inclined. Like, they always do a really good job, especially when it's, like, related to the Middle East, because that's what their background is, about, you know, just checking me on, like, things that I'm saying and maybe I'm getting wrong. For instance, like, I had, like, I had, like, screen grabbed this one journalist um, because I thought she had really measured, balanced insights about, like, hey, multiple things can be true at once. Like, Soleimani can be a very bad person, but us— doing what we did is probably and the way we did it is also not good. Right. Many things can be true at once. And, you know, I thought her her points about like us living in like a very binary state now where yeah. like, oh, everything yeah. has to be on or off or good or bad. Yeah. Cancel
2: culture.
0: Cancel culture. And just like, you know, the mechanisms by which we like judge things now. It's like Instagram stickers thumbs with up, like th- yes or thumbs, or no down. thumbs, yep. up, thumbs yep. down. I thought that was like a really good point. And he was like, yo, you should really check like what she's talking about elsewhere. And I was like, oh fuck. I did a little research. Turns out she's a reporter for RT like mm. Russian state propaganda. Mm-hmm. So I was like
1: maybe she's not my source anymore. Maybe yeah.
0: she's not my source anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so yeah, like I definitely get things wrong all the time. I don't think I've gotten anything wrong. Like I I will wait like I'll the point of like this wide net of content aggregation that I have is so that I'm getting enough validation or verification rather from different sources and viewpoints. Yeah. So that I'm not You're posting, like fact checking. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not posting something immediately off of like one person's word. Right. Uh so I don't think I've gotten anything wrong. I mean, you could argue that like you don't agree with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think that makes me wrong. Right. Um, so nothing has like happened where it's like, oh, Phil. Also not that it would matter. Like the scale of my, you know, like who's reading this is like it's not like something that's it's gonna not millions like, of people. Exactly. So being,
2: I guess to your point though about Somebody can disagree with you. It doesn't make you wrong. How often is somebody disagreeing with you and changing your mind in your DMs?
0: Mm, once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, definitely once in a while. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely open to that. And, like, again, I have, like, the people who I, you know, both know just through Instagram or in real life. Even my dad, like, mm-hmm. we have a lot of good conversations about everything that stretches from, you know, the economy and what's happening there to politics and things like that. And so, you know, i um, Being open to that is something that um, the past three years has helped me kind of develop. Yeah. Uh, Because I'd say, like, when I was still on Facebook, Mm -hmm. uh, towards the end of that, I think I was noticing in myself and a lot of other people, like, just an unwillingness to budge. Yeah. And so for me, like, also, like, a lot of the self-referential, like, what the fuck do I know stuff that Mm -hmm. I always, like, put on my captions, is like, that's, you know, as much as it is, like, a defense mechanism and a joke, it's also real. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm posting it because I'm like, yo, this is nuts. Like, are we not, are yeah. we serious right now? Like, is this really happening? This can shit seems this crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, right. can we talk about this?
1: Has creating content the way that you do sparked more meaningful discourse with close friends who are consuming this content? Like I do want to say,
0: yeah. that, Like, there's a big distinction. Like, I'm not creating content. Okay. You know, like, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling content from yeah, yeah. other people's stuff. Like Curating I Curating
1: my... is, I think, the word we would have used in sure. 2012. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so.
0: Curating. Uh, Everyone got a Tumblr. <laughs> um, you know, I'll add my thoughts, but certainly these are, you know, I'm pulling yeah, thoughts yes, from people yes, yes. I, I You're respect sourcing. immensely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it has. It really has. Like, I, a lot of people, you know, um, I think, you know, it's it it, it, it it has provided people with a good starting point to be like, hold on, like, I feel this way about it. Can we talk about it? So the group chats are deep. And like, um, I, I, I'm curious if, if this is happening in you guys' circles, but like, over the past year, especially the Trump administration, I think a lot of people have gotten more open to talking about politics and just being like, fuck, I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. I can't I can't pay attention to this too mm-hmm. much to being like, man, what at least like, man, what is going on? Like, where? how do I even begin to make sense of this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. I think that's definitely the case. I mean, I noticed it the first time I really noticed it was the travel ban. Because yeah. I remember we were on a girls' trip in Palm Springs with a group of women. With we like make a point of talking about completely frivolous stuff. Yeah. like that and is the purpose totally of our gathering.
1: gossip, shit. And yeah. here Love we that. are
2: in Palm Springs, just like you know, it it, it, it couldn't Bad have been pool. more frivolous. Yeah, <laughs> it couldn't have been more frivolous. And the travel, the news of the travel ban came in, and we were all talking about it. And I. Was like, and listen, these were also the people I'd watched the election with, so it's not as if, yeah, I that had, wasn't gonna it happen. Wasn't, it yeah. wasn't as if we never talk about politics, but I was like, this is not normal that we're all sitting around talking about world news right now, yeah. Um, when we should be talking about the latest episode of Broad City or what have you, completely. Um, yeah. I think
0: that's what happened. I think that's what caught a lot of people off guard. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, shit, this isn't just like politics as usual stuff, yeah, things are happening. No, it's
1: individual lives affected. Completely. Yeah.
0: And people you know. Yeah. Um,
1: and, like,
2: I, we should also say that it is a privilege for us that it took that long for these oh things God, to feel that yeah. urgent for us. Completely. Because yeah. there are populations of people for whom it was urgent a long time before Trump entered yeah. office. Uh-huh. 100%. Look around the world. Yeah. yeah. Look yeah. around the
0: world, right? Like, yeah. we can get into a whole separate conversation yeah. about that. But, you know, I'm someone who grew up in Korea. Like, yeah. the Korean War is not over. Yep. Yeah. And, like— you know, um, and even growing up in East Asia is a privilege. You look at Southeast Asia, yeah. you yep, like yep, all yep. that stuff. And it's just like, you know, I get why it starts feeling very overwhelming when you start looking mm-hmm. at, like, the galaxy brain of it all. Yes, um, but you know, I, that's why I think it's like important to be like, okay, cool. These are things that I feel like are unassailable truths. Yes, these are things that I feel like are values that are very close to my heart and like dictate how I move and, and operate in this mm-hmm. world.
1: Um, Phil, what's something you're excited about these days, or some things that you're excited about these days?
0: Lots to be excited about. Um, I mean, categorically, like, where do you want to start?
1: <sighs> I want it to be a total grab bag,
0: man. I think you know, w-
1: can I tell you something you're excited about? Yeah, um, the Parasite director's translator. Can you yeah. start there?
0: Sharon Choi. Yeah, Sharon Incredible. Choi.
1: Incredible. Obsessed.
0: Uh, so I met Sharon briefly at one of the advanced screenings for Parasite. So before I met her, she was obviously interpreting for Director Bong. Um, and I was just like, you know, the first few things you're like, you know, just listening for. And then like, you know, I speak fluent Korean. So it's like, I'm not even really listening to her interpretation. And then suddenly, like halfway through, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is not one-to-one, but it's better. Mm -hmm. She's not just going word for word and like literally transposing like Korean to English because obviously the grammatical and syntax uh, and, you know, like the grammatical structures and syntax are wildly different. Sure. Um, But she's very quickly listening to all this stuff that director Pong is saying and, you know, he speaks in very, you know, theoretical terms. He's a very, like, he's super, he's a super film geek. So he speaks in terms that aren't just necessarily like you know, the the talking points that you would get on a press run for a yeah. movie. And she is just, you know, she'll write some of it down, but really she's just listening and then just flipping it in a way that's like, man.
1: Super eloquent. That's what really the hell. interesting.
0: And it's as as a fluent Korean speaker, it's not something I could do. Yeah. Um, that she's quickly. just that really she's, she's just, just that smart. That ill. And she I think she's like twenty six and like is not even an interpreter. She just wants to make film.
2: There's a really interesting episode of Call Your Girlfriend about female uh, translators in in general, sort of inspired by the most recent interpretation of the Odyssey, which was the first one interpreted by a uh, woman—translated by a woman, sorry—and how so few— Translators are traditionally women, and how it changes things to have it done through women's uh, the lens of a woman. And it did open up my eyes to like, right, translating isn't just a math or a science; like, there's a real art art to it. It's not. Yeah,
0: she's incredible. Like she and is so humble, and just is stoked to be like traveling around with director Bong and like absorbing, uh, you know, the insights and the knowledge that he has uh, on this tour. And and what a smart move on their part, too, like, bringing someone on as, like, the dedicated interpreter Mm because she only gets better and better as she gets more and more comfortable with him. What a
2: cool sort of, like, collaboration between them. Totally.
0: And it's like, why don't more people do that? Yeah. And it, you know, it culminates, obviously, in the Golden Globes thing where she's like, you know, you get over the one-inch barrier of subtitles Mm -hmm. and you'll be exposed to so many more rich films and stories. Yeah. Like, that's not one-to-one what he said, but it's the perfect
1: it's way more, more sound bitey than what he said. Exactly. Yeah. And it
0: takes a it, it takes like an ambidextrous understanding of American culture, you know, uh, Western audiences and Korean culture to be able to be like, okay, this is what's gonna work without compromising the message while enhancing it at the same time. She's sick. It's really, really, really rad. And it leapfrogs to another thing that I'm really excited about is Korea.
2: Mm.
0: You know, I lived in Korea growing up, like from first grade to twelfth grade. And uh I go back every year because my parents still live in Seoul. And for the longest time, it's generally been about just, like, you know, family time, whatever, and all that stuff. Uh, But this last time I went, um, this past Christmas, just took some time to, like, be out in the street and, like, you know, connect with more people, you know, who I've met, you know, through work or Instagram or whatever. Um, And, man, Seoul really impressed me um, in a way that, you know, I didn't expect in a way in a way that I never could have imagined because it's like I've always felt that there's like a lot of cool independent business stuff and like just subculture stuff, for lack of a better word, just floating under the surface in, in Korea. It's a very it's a it's a difficult country to do any of that in because, yeah. you you know, it's a it's a collectivist attitude that, you know, East Asian countries have the whole before the individual. Um, so like, you know, basically everything that you do in life is determined by this like college entrance exam you take. Mm,
1: Right. That determines
0: what college you go to and that determines... Your
1: occupation. Are
0: you going to be a lawyer? Are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to work at Samsung? Are you going to work at Hyundai? It's kind of it. So for the longest time, it's like you've seen like a lot of people like frustratingly try to like, you know, like, what if I don't want to do that? What if I want to like, I want to run a skate shop or like, I want to like start a, a clothing brand or like, I want to open a gallery. Like, I want to do a restaurant. And finally, like, this past year, I've seen, like, a lot of it come to fruition in a way that's just, like, you can't deny it or mm-hmm. you can't be, like, this is some side shit. This is, like, a phase for, like, my kid and right, they'll grow yeah. out of it. It's just happening. Again, it's taken, like, I think, like, global renown to be the validating factor yes. uh, before people can kind of come back and, like, Korean society, like, acknowledges it. But it's happening. And uh, that's super, super exciting to me.
1: That's cool. Yeah. There's Um, a
0: lot to do in Korea. Like, people should really start looking into it. I do.
1: It's
2: on my list of places I
1: want to go. We walked by an ad from the uh, Seoul tourism board today featuring BTS. Totally. So, (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) The
0: Korean airline, you know, in-flight safety video is BTS and Boa, who is like, you know, like, it's the best thing they've done in a long time. And you're just like... Wow, we're figuring it out, despite the fact that, like, Seoul's motto is still I Soul You, which is just, like, <laughs> every time I pass a sign, I want to, like, fucking gouge my eyeballs out. But, like, we're getting there.
2: I feel like I reference this book all the time, but I just found it so fascinating. There's this book called The Birth of Korean Cool yeah. that really helped me understand korea and its approach to culture and arts and and coolness in general that is so fascinating
0: it's new because like it's like it's people don't realize because they you know a lot of people see like you know this current iteration of k-pop and they think and like you know high-tech korean exports and stuff like that and you think it's like oh man like this
1: it's k-beauty it's k-pop it's, exactly yeah and all of that are, stuff yep. is
0: so new yeah. like korea yeah. was rice patties until like 86 but mm-hmm. like when i was born
1: yeah. like were you the start of it would you say i was the start of it <laughs> yeah
0: I kickstarted the Seoul Olympics in '88. Awesome!
1: Ah, thank you. That thank you for like that. All yeah, me.
0: Yeah. Uh, but really, like the, I mean, you can look at it's a fascinating case study for like how economics entwines with like government policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, a lot of that growth is throughout the '90s. Yeah, yeah. it's not that old. No. Yeah, so it's. I, I think Korea is like something that I'm really geeked on, and I'm like really happy to be able to say that.
2: That's awesome.
0: Because um, I, you know. It's been it's been difficult for me to say that for 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 years, uh, but more than ever, I'm like excited to figure out like, hey, what is some stuff that I could do there to help? So that's definitely a big one. Yeah,
1: Phil, this has been wonderful. Um, where
2: can people follow you on Instagram and get all this good curation?
0: At hey Phil Chang, H E Y Phil Chang. Uh, that's where I'm at. It's my only social media.
1: This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at clarinerica.com.